Dr. Deb Schreiben here, what's healthy? We are! I'm so excited to be right here back with you and we are gonna talk about some really cool stuff today. And the first thing that I wanna talk about is stress because I think we have been under so much stress, especially in the past year. Um, April is Stress Awareness Month, and I thought it'd be a really great time to talk about, you know, the things that are stressing us and some of the things that are stressing us we don't even know are stressing us. So I wanted to bring that to the surface and then maybe talk about a few things that we can do to help ourselves de-stress because stress is one of the greatest sabotagers of our health that there is. Hear me on this. Stress is one of the greatest sabotagers of health that we have. The second one is sugar, and we're gonna talk a little bit about that too, but stress is all around us. We can't avoid us. I always ask people, you know, when are you gonna be without stress? And it's when you're six feet under. So I always recommend that we figure out what is stressing us and then what we can do to fix it. So. There are three types of stress. There's chemical stress, there's physical stress, and there's emotional stress. Chemical stressors are the things like um, artificial sweeteners is a huge one. Medication, prescription drugs, we don't often think of them that way, but they are actually a chemical stress to our body. Uh, the stuff that's in our food, sometimes we just can't avoid eating food that's not organic or not locally grown or not in season, and we have to eat what's around us, and those can have all kinds of chemicals in them, artificial sweeteners, um, sugars that aren't sugars that our bodies can recognize, um, they're genetically modified, herbicides, pesticides, insecticides, all kinds of different things. Even the genetic modification, which I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, we've been genetically modifying forever. I'm not talking about taking taking one kind of corn and splicing it with another corn gene, putting it together and making a new corn. I'm talking about when they take, you know, corn and splice it with a fish gene to make a whole new kind of corn, which our body can't recognize as food and causes all kinds of inflammation responses and inflammatory responses and, and allergy responses and all kinds of different things, which actually puts lots of weight on us. So for those of you out there who are like, I'm gaining weight and I don't know what to do, I'm pulling my hair out, that's a big thing. So chemical stress, is a huge one and it's all over the place and really it's identifying what are these chemical stresses and what can I do to fix them. The next one is the physical stresses. I know a lot of us are sitting at home, sitting at these makeshift desks in our homes because we're not back in our offices and sitting much more we're not walking back and forth, we're not walking up and down hallways, speaking to coworkers, we're just sitting at those desks. Um, and then for those of you who are able to go to your offices, we're sitting in the car and we're driving, so poor posture is a physical stress. And even exercise, most people think of exercise as being really good for us, but it can be actually a stress on our body, especially if your body is struggling with adrenal fatigue or a thyroid issue or a blood sugar issue, and you go out and you think, oh, I'm gonna go work out seven hours a day, seven days a week. I'm exaggerating a little, but you know what I'm talking about, two or three hours a day, twice a day, five days a week, six days a week, seven days a week, and not giving your body a rest for someone who has adrenal fatigue or adrenal exhaustion, it actually makes it worse instead of helping like we think exercise should. So it's important to really identify those physical stresses that we have, you know, whatever it is, a poor mattress, um, a bad chair, um, whatever they may be for you specifically, and then looking at options and ways to fix those things. Get a desk that's ergonomically correct. If you know you're gonna be working from home, maybe one of those desks where you can 
can sit and stand. Maybe one of those chairs, that's one of those balls that you can bounce up and down if you have back issues. Um, and just to let you know how you should be sitting physically when you're at a desk is your elbows should be at 90 degrees, your shoulders should be relaxed, your monitor should be right at eye level, your um, keyboard and mouse should be right just like this with your elbow at 90 degrees. They shouldn't be up like this and you shouldn't be like this or like this. And your hip should be at 90 degrees, your knee should be at 90 degrees, and then your foot should be flat on the floor. That is proper um, uh, posture when you're sitting at a desk. And it's hard to get that, but if you kind of play with it, you'll be able to get there. And then the last one is emotional stress. And I think this is such a huge one right now because of COVID, because of loss, because of isolation, because of feeling like we can't travel. We can't go to the gym, we can't go to movies, we can't go to the library. Whatever you used to do to help de-stress, I think has a lot of it has been taken away from us. Now I think the world may be opening a little bit, but I think people are still fearful and scared of going out and getting coronavirus. I know a lot of people are even fearful of getting the vaccine. I totally get it. I struggled and struggled with that. You gotta just make the choices that feel good to you and feel right to you, but you gotta really recognize that these are stresses. Um, emotional stresses can also be good stress Stress doesn't have to be just bad stress. So emotional stress is like having a baby, getting a new job, um, getting married, buying a new house, selling a house. These are all fantastic things. However, they are a stress in your body. And the thing about stress is, is that your body cannot differentiate between good stress and bad stress. It is all stress. So what do you do to manage the stress? I think for me, at least, what I try to do is make sure that I'm really well hydrated and really well rested. I notice that when I get enough rest, things that might frazzle me if I'm tired don't typically frazzle me. I can take a step back and think, hmm, what can I do to fix that? That's a really great one. Another one might be for you to sit down and meditate. You know, there's really cool apps today that you can get that are free and get them on your phone and then you can just sit and, and meditate and be quiet. Some people enjoy yoga. Some people like to go out for a walk or a run. Sometimes decreasing stress is hanging out with your kid. I know I have said from day one, my child makes every day better. Every single day is a better place with my kid in it. And for me, that is such a huge de-stress. Um, maybe it's going out and having, you know, a cocktail with your one, cocktail with your, your spouse or your girlfriends or your boyfriends or, you know, there's all kinds of different ways that people like to manage their stress. So whatever works for you, I think is really one of the most important things. And I have a question coming in from Cece. And Cece says, I've recently started stress eating. What can I do to stop Dr. Deb? And Cece, that's a really good question. I think a lot of people are stress eating right now because we have such high levels of stress. That's our comfort, right? We go for the things that are our comfort food and whatever that might be, it might be sugar for you. It might be meatloaf and mashed potatoes, whatever that is, you know, you've got to try to, to replace it. One thing you can do is not have that stuff in your house, don't have it, like you can just walk to the pantry and grab a, a ding dong or a devil dog or cookies or whatever that might be for you. Maybe it's don't buy white potatoes and leave them there. Maybe it's don't have white rice or, or even brown rice. That can cause a lot of problems that puts weight on us. I think it's identifying that you have a problem with stress eating and then eliminating the factors that make it really easy for you to stress eat. I guarantee you, if you have to actually get in your car and drive to the store and go in there and purchase something, by the time you do it, you're, you're 
like, ah, I'm over it. I don't need to stress eat. Um, and then another thing that you can do that really helps a lot of people is replace the stress eating. Replace it with something else. Drink more fluids. Go for a walk. You know, keep some little hand weights right there. And when you're going to reach for that, reach for your hand weight instead and do a few exercises. Um, do some more meditation. All of these things could really help with stress eating. So that's a great question, Cece. I think lots of us are struggling with that. You know, I always, you know, joke around about, oh, the COVID-38, and that's the 38 pounds that we've all gained through COVID. Um, but I think it's a real thing, and I think that was an awesome question. So thank you for asking so that I could share that with everybody. Another thing I want to talk about is heart health. We just missed Heart Health Month, but I just wanted to follow up and talk about heart health because A, we all have hearts, contrary to some people's popular belief, but we do all have hearts and our heart is part of our, of our cardiovascular system and it's the thing that literally keeps us alive. So what can we do to keep our heart healthy and why you know, is this an important thing? Well, it's super important because we want to make sure that our blood is getting pumped through our body so it can do the things that it's supposed to do, right? It brings white blood cells and red blood cells. It helps with healing. It's part of the immune system. It's part of the process. And we need to make sure that it gets to our little teeny toes, our little teeny fingers and our eyeballs so we can have good sight so that we don't get cuts in our toes and our fingers and not be able to heal like our diabetics do. That's one of the things that we worry about when somebody has high blood sugar is that their blood is thicker and their heart can't pump hard enough to get it to those little areas so that then we start losing limbs and you don't want to lose a limb because once you do it's higher and higher and higher and it's a horrible horrible thing um, I think staying active and like I talked about a little bit earlier staying active means doing activity exercise that actually isn't gonna stress out your adrenals and your thyroid but it's actually gonna support you so you have to identify is that gonna be restorative is that gonna be really hardcore you know running whatever it is it's gonna be different for everybody based on where you are in your life and what your body can tolerate and what it needs and you know something here's something to remember what you need one day is not necessarily what you need the other day so listen Listen, listen to your brain and to your body because it really will tell you what you need. Um, alcohol is another thing that I think is something to talk about. And a lot of people are like, oh, I can drink wine. Red wine is good for my health. It's good for my heart. And, you know, oh, but don't drink white wine. Well, here's the thing. A little bit of wine or a little bit of alcohol in moderation is not going to hurt you. So I would recommend, you know, one glass of wine, not one bottle of wine. And red wine, yes, does have lots and lots of great health benefits to them. And um, you can have a little bit. And I think it also calms and de-stresses, which is also really good for your, for your heart. I have a question that just came from Edith. And Edith says, how does my blood pressure affect my heart health? Edith, this is a really, really good question because I know a lot of our, our doctors out there love to write prescription meds for blood pressure. And um, here's the thing about that. Yes, we do not want to have high blood pressure. We do not want to have a stroke or a heart attack. I 100% agree. However, just throwing a medication at high blood pressure isn't always the answer. Sometimes is it something that's a genetic thing? You know, grandma and great grandma or grandpa and great grandpa and great grandpa all had high blood pressure. Maybe there's a little bit of a genetic link to that, but usually lifestyle can trump genetics. That's a really, really big point you need to remember. Lifestyle can trump genetics. So here's how it works. We have this heart, which is, a, which is a muscle, and it pumps. And it pumps hard, and it pumps so that it can 
pump that blood through the whole system, right? But if you have some kind of a health issue, let's say you have diabetes, or let's just say you don't know why you have high blood pressure, but you do because nobody's dug deep enough to figure out why your blood pressure is high, then let's just go with we have high blood pressure. So what's happening is your heart is pumping really hard, and it's pumping so hard because it wants to get that blood through the rest of the body, but it can't, so it pumps harder. And what happens? Blood pressure goes up when you have, you know, a little vein or a little artery or a little blood vessel that we're trying to move blood flu through. Ah, I can't speak today. Blood through and it's too thick or the artery has buildup like high cholesterol and it just doesn't have as much room to go through. And so that heart has to pump really hard and the blood pressure goes up. We don't want that. So what do we do? We gotta figure out why do you have high blood pressure? Do you have a thyroid issue? Do you have a blood sugar issue? Do you have just a lifestyle issue? And when we fix that, blood pressure typically comes down and lots of your doctors can take you off of those meds because we wanna be on as few medications as we possibly can and be grateful for the ones that we have access to and have them when we need them, but not be on them long-term. And in a lot of cases, not all, but a lot of cases, we don't have to be on them long-term. So I hope I answer that question for you. Um, so identify your issue and then we can fix it, which is really, really awesome. So thank you for that, Edith. Um, I do wanna talk about one other thing and I don't know about you, but I love Mexican food. So let's talk about a healthy burrito. Is there such a thing as a healthy burrito? I think we can have a healthy burrito. Um, I think we typically think of a burrito as a flour tortilla and it's stuffed with meat and cheese and I don't know, tomatoes and onions and all kinds of different things. And then we're like, rice is another big thing. Beans is another big thing. And then by the end of the meal, we're like, oh my God, why did I just eat that gigantic burrito? And why do I not feel so good? I'm, you know, there's different symptoms when we eat a lot of foods that are not healthy for us. And it's some of them are, you might be tired right after you eat, or you might get bloated. Being bloated is not normal. You should not be bloated after you eat. Um, just gaining weight, no matter what you do, is another thing. So, you know, what can we do to eat a healthy burrito? Or you can kind of um, adjust this too to other foods that you might think aren't healthy, like pizza. I mean, there's ways to change that too, or, or a taco. But what I do in my house, my husband has a gluten allergy, and my son has a dairy allergy. We're a super fun family to have to eat with, especially on the holidays when we have to make 18 of the same things so everybody can have some of it. But what we do in my house, is a couple of different things. Sometimes we take lettuce and we make our burrito into a lettuce wrap. If we can put all of the good things into it, I might trade rice for cauliflower rice. I might take out the black beans and change the beans. I might not put beans in it at all if it's something that bother, bothers one of our bellies. Um, some people can tolerate those legumes and some people cannot, legumes, beans. So, um, you know, for my son, he can't have dairy. So instead of putting cheese, we actually have a um, alternative cheese that we use that has no dairy, no casein in it, and we roll it up. Sometimes I get gluten-free tortillas. There's some excellent gluten-free tortillas that you can get. Um, I do recommend you warm them up, otherwise they do crack and fall apart but there are some really good ones that you can get that don't have too many fillers in them that you can replace the regular flour tortillas. Um, I do recommend making sure you try to use organic products, especially anything with corn. So if you wanna make a taco, a healthy taco, and you get a soft corn to it, make sure it's organic because that is one of the most genetically modified foods out there, which you will gain weight and you will feel bad while you're eating it. So I do have one last question. And this one is from Bart. He says, 
I really like white rice in my burrito. What's a good white rice alternative? Bart, try cauliflower rice. That is awesome. And it tastes really, really great. And you don't get that heavy feeling. It doesn't shoot up blood sugar. And, and typically, you can't really even tell the difference, especially when it's tucked inside a yummy burrito. Um, so that's a really excellent question because a lot of people can't have rice for whatever reason. And also, white rice in particular is very high in arsenic. And a lot of people don't know that and they just eat lots of white rice and then um, arsenic is a heavy metal that when you have too much of it in your body, it gets stuck and then things that need to get into the cells can't get in there because the arsenic is sitting in the way. So um, great question, Bart. I hope I answered it for you and I hope it helps. And for all of you out there, get organic, get in season, especially dairy should be organic, especially corn should be organic. And I think you can make yourselves a fantastic healthy burrito, healthy taco, healthy pizza, whatever it ends up being. Um, so thank you for today and thank you for listening and I hope I've answered all of your questions today. If you would like to reach out to me, you can email me at feelbetter at lakepointwellnesscenter.com or you can go on our website at www.feelbetterhere.com or if you're like me, the good old fashioned, give me a call on the phone, 770-974-5215. Until next time, wishing you lots and lots and lots of love and light and health and happiness. Bye-bye.